basically what we have got is the end of a beautiful little letter. Um, and we, looked, uh, we started it a couple of weeks ago. Um, and two weeks ago, we looked at the whole new community, new family thing. Um, I think talking after life group afterwards, quite a key one for us really to understand that you know, lives were transformed around the world and rooted back into God. And uh, for us at God Central, that was huge because our heart, you know, and, uh, you know, has always been um, that, that all are welcome and that we're grafted in as brothers and sisters in Christ. So, so that, was, that was a really key part for us, really, to look back at Ephesians 2 along with Philemon, first three verses, and now that. Uh, last week, okay, we, uh, we had Mark speaking on one anothering, on the kind of the togetherness, the fact that as we pursue God, he knits us together. Um, and that we grow together, that we're caused to uh, enrich one another and go forward from there. So our call really is to build one another. You know, if, you're, if you've been looking at the notices or been around God's Central, you know, we have a, you know, for God, for people, for Harlow. And uh, it's about growing in, in God, building one another and then going with the good news. Um, and today we're going to wrap up the rest of Philemon. Okay, so we're going to go verse 8 to 25. So if you want to be finding it on smartphone or Bible, um, obviously in, 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 on your Bible, just look for end of Paul's writings, start of Hebrews. It's like kind of probably one page in between. Um, if you've got a smartphone, obviously just type in Philemon and press search <laughs> and look smug. Um, either way works. Uh, we're, Lou's going to come and read the verses for us. Um, so if we just, uh, we need to find a mic. There we are. That's what Lou needs. So... Uh, yeah, so here we go. Uh, I say we'll work through this, and then we've got, we've got sort of two or three key bits I think God would speak to us out of this. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man now, and a prisoner for Christ Jesus, appeal to you my, for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted for you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but as more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of you owing me, even your own self. <laughs> yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras and my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that uh, you are risen and reigning. And Father, we thank you for your son Jesus who made it possible for all of us <laughs> to walk 
into your presence and to be with you for eternity. And we ask, Father God, would you send your Holy Spirit with us to give us revelation, to give us edification, to build us up in the faith and to help us build one another up, Father. Lord, yeah, help us to glorify Jesus this morning, Father, and to see your kingdom come and your will done here in Harlow and to the ends of the earth. We ask that in the beautiful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so got a fair few verses and a little bit of unpacking to do and, and, and some great truths to get hold of uh, before we come into land. And we're going to go quite quickly, okay, which, which, will, which will please a lot of you. Um, so what I thought when I was looking at this, I thought we'd, we'd, we'd set some background, okay? And now we've talked about the background to the letter, but I just thought we've got three main characters, okay? We, we've got uh, Paul, uh, Philemon, and Omnesius, or Omnesius, however you want to pronounce it, okay? Uh, so we're going, to look at all, we're going to look at three of these guys really quickly, okay? So Paul, uh, I've done some highlights. Uh, formerly Saul of Tarsus, that, that will be important for us as we get towards the end. Uh, he's in prison for Christ's sake, probably for sharing the gospel in the Roman Empire, not denying it, he's been locked up, and he's the one who's written the letter, okay? We know in terms of church family, he's a spiritual father to Philemon and Omnesius, having been part of bringing both of them to know Christ. So there's a common plan there. You can see some of it working out already. Uh, he prays for Philemon and praises God for his faith. So there's a gift of encouragement and building there. Uh, he's an older man. Uh, he puts that in there probably to pull a few heartstrings. He's bold for Christ. He's appealing to Philemon on behalf of Omnesius. So he's, he's with Omnesius, appealing to Philemon. Has ordered Omnesius to return to Philemon and will repay Philemon for anything Omnesius owes to him. Okay, so there's a, there's a rough summary there of the Apostle Paul. Uh, flying into Philemon, okay, he was or is the slave owner of Omnesius. He's a beloved worker and has a house church, as Mark said last week. You know, he's, you know, houses in those days weren't kind of as we see, they were larger places, so it would be quite normal to have house churches of hundreds maybe. Uh, has love and faith towards Jesus and all the saints. He shares his faith. Uh, something which is encouraged by Jesus and all of us, is owed something from Onesius and rightfully, under the law of the land, can punish Onesius for running away from him. Uh, and we'll come back to that in a minute. And the last character is Omnesius. Uh, and effectively, he's run away from Philemon. Um, he's come to Christ via Paul, hence the father thing, uh, probably while Paul was in prison. Uh, therefore, considers himself uh, a spiritual child of Paul is going to go back to Philemon, which is pretty, uh, pretty key, and owes something to Philemon. So, so if you want, there's three people, there's a little bit of background. We could probably pull out more, but I think they're the, they're the key bits I could go. And so the rough flow of events, for those who want the, the kind of simplified version, uh, is something like this, that Amnesius was a slave, and we'll cover that in a minute, to Philemon, and he's run away. Somehow, on his runaway journey, he's encountered the Apostle Paul, has heard the Apostle Paul talk about Jesus Christ, has accepted Christ as his Lord and Saviour, and therefore become part of the early church. Um, and Paul, in honouring the laws of the land, uh, knows that Omnesius needs to be returned to Philemon, who he also, out of the providence of God, knows. So you can see God working on a big picture here. But he knows there's a right way of doing that. Do you mean Paul's not going to lord it over and just tell Philemon, you know, you know who I am, get on with it and take him back. He's going to appeal to him 
um, in the ways of the Lord. You know, there's, there's, there's a way of doing things. And there's a way the family of God works. And Paul rather co-labors, presents a case, appeals requests, you might want to say, but lays out a biblical foundation and encourages Philemon to build together for the glory of Jesus, but does also address the slavery issue. Um, and I obviously did a, a bit of research on this, and I came across um, what I thought was probably one of the more concise versions in the Lion Handbook to the Bible, which many of you will know. And I want to read this because I think, if you, if you pin your ears back, there's, this really underlines what we're looking at. Okay? So the lion, I, I, I say, beautifully puts it like this. It says, a very different Omnesius is returning from the one who ran away. And Paul appeals to Philemon to treat this slave as a brother in Christ as if he were the apostle himself in verses 16 and 17. Pretty huge. Philemon is under considerable pressure to do as he asks because Paul points out in verse 8 that he could have dictated where his duty lay but he prefers to make a request on the basis of love. His description of himself as an old man and a prisoner in verse 9 is really tugging at the heartstrings. He is in effect asking Philemon to give Omnesius his freedom and send him back verse 13, in part for the services Paul's rendered to Philemon. Paul uses conventions of the day. A gift requires a gift in return. And Paul has given Philemon a gift in introducing him to Christ and he's asking for a gift in return of Amnesius. His appeal in verse 19 is that Philemon owes his entire Christian life to Paul. There is added pressure from the fact that the letter is going to be read to the church in his house. It's an interesting point we'll come back to. But Paul is confident Philemon will comply and set Paul's mind at rest. Everything is couched in terms of praise and encouragement. It's a, it's a very clear example of how the apostle would want us to relate. And uh, the Lion Handbook expands on verses 15 and 16 beautifully like this. It says, slavery was an integral part of the social structure of the day. But... Paul wants Omnesius to be accepted not as a piece of property, but as a brother. He is no longer to be treated as a slave. Although he doesn't say so outright, the force of verse 16 is that Paul wants him set free. The new Christian community should be different, both spiritually and socially, from society at large. The letter provides the clearest evidence of how Paul would deal with slavery in the community of Christ. It is not acceptable. And he intends the Christian community to be an example of what the world should be like. Although Paul does not specifically address slavery as an institution, his requirement lays a depth charge beneath it. And I love the succinctness of how it was working things through. And you see that actually Paul's working on many different levels in a very few sentences. Hence there's so much in here. And uh, we picked up on the relational language that Paul used a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and again, you can see it. Verse 10 uses the word father. Verse 16, he uses the word brother. You know, the family, the relational people. Uh, relational people. And Paul is keen to emphasize really strongly, and this, this is where our ears should start pricking up, that that change happens in Christ. You know, that, that from, being, from being part of a people to being a family. 
And Paul really is playing on the, the emphasis of unity here. That he's talking relational language and oneness. That there's a right way of doing things. Okay? That Paul is determined to do things in accordance with the heart of his God. That Omnesius, yes, he needs to return, but he's returning as a brother in Christ. There is no wriggle room there. Do you mean you know, he's absolutely clear on the foundation that this man, Omnesius, is now a new creation in Christ? Okay? And yet, Omnesius will return. And he just says to Philemon, you know, would you recognize the change that's happened? Yeah? And, and, and we can imagine, how would Philemon have felt about that? Well, he would have once been outside and grafted in. Do you mean, you know, you know, for all of us, we remember, you know, we've got to remember that, that by grace we've been saved. By grace we've been plucked from somewhere and clothed afresh. Do you know what I mean? And so he's basically asking, it, you know, just nudging, extend, remember what you had. Now, 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 now try and echo that to, to this slave who you had. You know, who has wronged you? But were you without blame? <laughs> you, know, you know, it's very clear, isn't it? You know, there's going to be human emotions and other bits in there. Do you know what I mean? You know, but to emphasize the unity, Paul is not going to order him. He's just going to appeal to him out of the gospel and out of love and out of encouragement. You know, there's a huge change, a huge mindset. Because, you know, Paul's saying to Philemon, look, you know, you've got to, you're going to come on a journey here when you get this letter. Because your culture that you've grown up in has been blown apart by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your community has been blown apart by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's all new. And as this letter, and let's be clear here, Omnesius would be the one bringing the letter. So he is uh, Ian Brown, the postman himself, bringing his letter. Do you know what I mean? You know, as that unfolds, you get, you get, you get the magnitude of this. As that unfolds, this is how you're to receive it. Do you know what I mean? There's a huge chase. And Paul is really laying himself on the line to keep the unity between Omnesius and Philemon. He's saying, if there is a wrong that's been done, charge it to me. Self-sacrifice. You know, he's pointing to Christ. But he's saying, you know, there is, a, there, is a, there is a problem here. But guys, would you unite in me? And I'll pay. I'll make good whatever happens. And I think, you know, if I put Ben Clark in that... I think quite often I wouldn't do that. If I get an idea, I like my idea. It goes from A to B to C. And you know what? My idea goes from Ben's A to Ben's B to Ben's C and sometimes forgets about other people's feelings, emotions, and where they're at. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's the number one challenge reading this, is you know, do we value unity in Christ even in quite extreme circumstances? You know, because you can see where, where the, the context a little bit. Do, you know I mean? do we value that or do we value doing things the way we'd like them done? <laughs> and uh, there's your discussion number one for your life group. I don't think we'll get past that. But Paul is basically saying, do you know what I mean? You know, there's a greater thing here. You know, he's not looking at the miniature impact. He's looking at, I'm changing the, a kingdom culture here in the church that meets in your house, Philemon. Do you know what I mean? I'm on about setting a whole new foundation in Christ of how this thing's going to be built. And I'm prepared to pay whatever the cost is to keep the unity of people. And Paul's heart, really, is that Omnesius is, is, is able to return to be with him. You know, he says it bluntly. Do you know what I mean? And we'll close with that in a minute. But, but his way of going about things, I just think is beautiful. You know, because he doesn't... Let's just close this one off. He doesn't wimp out of asking... 
but neither does he overtly uh, direct or manipulate his power. And I think for many of us, we either duck an issue <laughs> or we get quite legalistic or quite uh, righteous about things. And actually, I think what he's saying is there is another way uh, and we need to be open to God leading us in that, to looking at how other people's feelings work, you know, to, to not provoking one another to anger, um, but also seeing the good in one another and not getting easily offended. Uh, and there's a very, very fine line, you know, which is where it comes back to the prayers of earlier today, that, you know, the Holy Spirit would guide us, that he'd give us words, he'd give us nudgings, he'd give us an inquick, a quick internal a heart check, a quick bullet prayer, okay? Uh, and I've no doubt I get this wrong, <laughs> loads of you do. So apologies <laughs> on behalf of me, just stick that on audio link, and whenever I get things wrong, just play it. There's the general apology, I am a man, uh, but we try to honour our God. And loads of you are smiling, so I think you get it. Okay, back to Amnesius, because uh, I, really, I really feel God's got some stuff for us here. Okay, and let's be clear, there's quite a lot changed for him, do you know what I mean? But the main thing that I want to drill down in in the next sort of 10 minutes is that he has encountered Christ. You know, 2 Corinthians, which is going to come up, chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. So it's not about the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no more. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's where Omnesia stands. That his past, whatever's happened in it, whatever he's done, is now gone. And he's going to come for me. You know, and I want to parallel that with verse 11, where Paul writes, formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and me. And uh, a bit of humour, what I want to just say is what Paul is not saying first. Okay? And what Paul is not saying first is that Amnesius was useless in all things. What he's not saying is, this guy was a complete blowout. This guy is good for nothing. Everything he tries to do, you ask him to cook dinner, it's burnt. You ask him to do the washing, he blends the colours. You ask him to clean, and there's more dust. That's just me talking here and Claire in my ear. Okay? He's not drilling at those things. Okay? He's not saying this guy's... Because as I said, the guy himself is going to turn up with the letter. And you can imagine, if that was the understanding of the letter, you know, Omnesis is going to turn up with this letter, all the, the church are going to gather in the house, his mate, or his boss, Philemon, is there, he's working all that through, and then he's going to hear the guy read about him, you are useless. <laughs> you know, that's not going to be the greatest letter to unpack if that's the meaning of it, is it? You, you, you're tracking with me, yeah? So humorous, but miles adrift. So don't ever remember that. Scrub that from your notes, but it made you chuckle. He's talking about the new creation. That Omnesius now has a God-given purpose. That he was made by Father God. You know, Psalm 139. You know, he, he was created by God. And now he has been made new by rebirth, by understanding and turning to give his life to Jesus, by an infilling of the Spirit. He's now in a new place to worship God alone, to build his life on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, to forget the former things, which would be huge for him. <laughs> And to press on in his Christian walk. Omnesius now has a purpose that transcends whatever tasks he had before. He now has an eternal purpose of glorifying God. Of walking before his God. Of being praised or bringing praise to his God. Of displaying 
the glory and the goodness of God to those he meets. Of encouraging his brothers and sisters in Christ, who, let's be honest, they're going to have to go through a journey and he's going to be grafted. But he's got all this coming through. That Omnesius is, is now useful for the grander purposes of God, but is also useful to the gospel community, the church. Because it doesn't work one way or the other. You know, Paul said, I'd like him back because he's useful to me and you. That, that, that we, have, yeah, we, have, we have eternal purposes of glorifying God, but he also knits us together in community where we have a place to grow, to nurture, to build one another. And there's a fabulous thing of restoration and redemption going on here for Amnesius. You know, we don't know what his background was. I think that's deliberately left. Do you mean, you know, you know, but what we do know is like you and I, before we meet Jesus, we are called enemies of God. You know, Romans 3, 23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, that we had a past. Now, what that looked like and what the outwork, we don't know. But what we do know is that God is going to restore him and God is going to restore through him and build through him. You know, there's a fabulous bit in the Old Testament book of Joel. And Joel talks, uh, I mean, yeah, I could go, I, we could do another sermon series this, but Joel, Joel chapters 1-2, it talks about you know, the day of the Lord, the returning of the Lord. And then it moves into you know, the Lord having pity and restoring things through Israel. And uh, there's this great verse here. You know, I will restore to you the, the years the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, the cutter, the great army which I sent amongst you. And it's, it's that, I will restore to you the years. Do you mean that, that Amnesius, you know, God's going to take the, the stuff and turn it for his glory because that's what God does in each of us. That where we've got bits, where we've got rubbish, that, that God is going to redeem, clean, use that and propel it forward. And there's, there's loads of that in there. You know, that, that there's a restoration work. And I wonder, and it's, this, is, this is Ben's mind wandering, I wonder, Paul has become a spiritual father to Omnesius and Philemon. He's writing this letter to one to honour and accept the other. To saying that they are both useful. They both have God-given purposes. And he knows that there's going to be some issues, there's going to be some beef. But I wonder, if we take a lens back in Paul's life, you know, let's, let's rename him as Saul of Tarsus. A guy who was religiously devout. Who was there in Acts 6 and 7 at the stoning and the first martyrdom of Christianity in, in Stephen. You know, he had blood on his hands there. He then made it his, his, his mission to persecute the early church, to, to ravage the church with a venom and drive that no one else could match to, to flog, to beat, to extort from Jesus' followers. I wonder, as he's writing and talking about being useful and second chances, just he's not writing this second nature, is he? Because he, he has received grace. He has a purpose. Because as we know, he's going to be the main contributor to the New Testament, which, which you and I read and, and, and are blessed by and built up in the faith by. That, that he was redeemed. He was made new in Christ. That literally, you know, when he's talking about a new creation, Paul has walked this. You know, and therefore, 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, when he writes in 1 Timothy 15, he says, you know, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Jesus came, Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. It's not a brag, but it's a reference to he knows who he is and what he's been saved from. You know, in the background, I think, he's working out here that, that Omnisius has a purpose. Because if anyone didn't have a poor purpose, it would have been Saul of Tarsus. <laughs> you know? And yet, God has redeemed, restored, <laughs> given him a hope and a future. And God is therefore the God of second chances. And so Paul is going to be keen to work with Amnesius, knowing that he has now a purpose. He is very useful because Jesus is inside him. And anyone who's filled with Jesus is very, very useful, is very powerful, has a lot to do. <laughs> You know, you're all smiling and nodding. Yeah, that's the truth, isn't it? That it's not down to the skills of our left hand, our right hand, how strong we are, what white. No, it's the fact that we've got Christ in us that we can achieve and do things. That we all have a, a place and a purpose in Christ. Um, and if James and Holly want to start coming back up, but I want to, I want to just say, you know, maybe Paul is remembering how Jesus turned his life around. And he's the back, in the back of his mind, he's looking at Amnesius and saying, you're once outside the family of God and now in. You know, you know, Amnesius, you were once disobeying the law of the land. You'd run away. And now you're content to follow it, even though we don't know what it means. You know, you were once following the passion of, of, of his own flesh, but now you're a new creation in Christ. <laughs> Amnesius, you were once without hope. Now you're very, very much with hope. You were once useless, now useful. And all because of Jesus, as was prayed this morning. And if we fast forward 2,000 years, you know, let's go there. You and I, we're accepted because of Jesus. You know, we were once enemies of God. I've already quoted Romans. You know I mean? And now we are co-heirs with Christ. <laughs> yeah, you know, we were once following a passion of our own flesh. We are now living for the glory of God. We were once without hope, we now have hope. We were once useless, we are now useful. And all because of Jesus. And uh, yeah, amen indeed. Tell me, you know, that, that, that we have been transformed. Omnesius was transformed. Paul was transformed. Philemon was transformed. It's all because of and in Christ. That all of us, let's be honest, were formerly useless. All of us were without hope. All of us were without eternal purpose. And now we're all transformed so that we all have a purpose. We all have a home. We all have an identity. We all have a Father in heaven who affirms us and loves us and just pours out blessing upon blessing upon us. And in return, we have a song to sing. We have words to say. We have lives to live and actions to do that tell of the glory of our God. And we have a purpose in his family. You know, you know, we have a purpose in his family. And what does your song look like? I'm hoping that the center of it is that God is good. You know, whether that's school gate, offices, supermarkets, <laughs> you know, petrol stations, that you know, it's when we get into things that people in your circle of influence, <laughs> do they know where your root and foundation are? in the highs and the lows, because that's what we're called to do, is to root in Almighty God. And um, I, I've, I've, I read last week one of my good friends, Leslie, who I've uh, had the pleasure 
of serving with for probably a decade on at New Day. She's stewards with us, and uh, and she's in a real battle. And uh, this was her post, and I've blocked out some bits so it's anonymous and all that. But this is what she posted. She said, uh, and again, I apologise for one word in there, but you'll get the heart of it. And I wasn't prepared to do much. It says, I know some of you might seem it odd that I would want to continue praising and worshipping God when I'm in such a serious battle with cancer and literally staring death in the face. But this is all I know to turn to when life sucks. God never said bad things wouldn't happen to us, but he promised to be there with us and when they do. I love to spend time with him. He upholds me, reassures me, blesses me, and above all, I believe he loves me and showed that love on the cross. I hope I won't lose any of you as friends through me being honest, even if you think this is crap and I'm a big sucker. This is me. And I only friend people on Facebook who, know, who I know and care about. I love this song. I can't get enough of it at the moment. Even if you don't believe the words, it's still such a great song, sung with such enthusiasm. You are the way maker. You are the miracle worker. You are the promise keeper. Light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. And... Uh, Dear, dear friend who I've sat in caravans with for Claire and I pray for daily. And it just caught me. that That's her way of on a global scale at the moment, just letting people know where she's walking with. And we may not resonate totally with it, but our heart is set there. And then the other part of your song is the part in your, God, in your God-given family, which for many of you is God-central, or I hope for many of you is God-central. You know, and that is to build one another, to pray for one another, to catch up with one another, to visit one another, to, to yeah, to just build, but also correct lovingly, to, to be iron that sharpens iron, to serve, you know, to pour out your time, your talents, your treasure, for the building of the glory of God, in Harlow and to the ends of the earth, you know? And let's be real here, people. You know, we're not superheroes, you know? We've given you a devotional book for Christmas, not a cape. <laughs> yeah? Just in case any of you are worrying, there's no capes coming, okay? You know, because why? Because it's not about us. <laughs> you know, we are sinners saved by the grace of God. We are broken yet complete. <laughs> and we're continually called to live for God to live God-first lives so that the watching world may taste and see that he is good, that he is for us and for them. And so for each of us, there comes the point of saying, well, that's all very well for Philemon or for Amnesius or for you, Ben, or your friend Leslie or whatever. But And I'd say stop there because the God of heaven says, don't write yourself off. Don't you dare discount yourself because it was paid in Christ for you. You can argue with one another, but you cannot change the way the Almighty God sees you. And He sees you if you've chosen Jesus in Him. Perfect, spotless, blameless. God made you. Therefore, our response is to simply be the best we we can be. God will make the way. We just need to walk in obedience, trusting God. Just like Paul asked Philemon to do, just to walk in the ways of God.
And so we're going we're gonna to stand and we're going to sing the song Waymaker, which loads of you will know from midweek groups and other things. And, and the words in this song, I just want to echo. For some of you, I think it's just look and receive the words. Because I think God is going to speak to some of us through just the words. For others, it will be a song of declaration. Because we're saying, you know, you are above it all, God. Do you know what I mean? And I just want to ask us as a people, just to respect one another, to be open to the Holy Spirit. You know, we've got some other bits, and I've got a beautiful uh, little bit that, that God has already spoken to someone, which I want to share after a couple of verses. But I just want us to embrace God, to thank Him for who He is, and for you to put aside any lies that you're not worthy, you're not good enough, that this won't happen. Any of that rubbish is for you now to say, God, I'm receiving who I am from you. And for many of us, it may be, okay, God, you need to restore some stuff. I think that's what he's going to do this morning. I'll give you a hint. Jimmy, I think that was why I brought the Joseph. I think there's a restoration of dreams and hopes and identity that God would speak to us this morning, that we are very useful because of him. So let's stand, let's worship, and then... Um, I just want to do a little bit of prayer after a couple of verses. But let's just enjoy him and uh, enjoy one another. So I love being here, guys.